This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. The captain was in his trench, surrounded by mud, wet and cold. It was December, after all. He was one of many British men who joined up before the war began. He was a professional soldier fighting German professionals. The new men who'd signed up after the outbreak of war hadn't quite reached them yet. The First World War was both old world and new. Men on horses with bayonets against machine guns, primitive tanks, barbed wire, poison gas. That first Christmas, the war was still new. There was still plenty of hell to come. He was in his trench. Ahead of him was a no-man's land, a stretch between his fellow soldiers and the Germans on the other side. Only dead men lay between. The possibility of death was always there, which made what was about to happen that much stranger. He was looking over the wall toward the German side. The shooting had stopped maybe for just a little while. That's when he saw two men waving their arms. Two of his enemies. That was strange enough. Why would someone take that chance to stand up and wave their arms in a war zone? But then they slowly pulled themselves up from their trench and walked toward the British side. Two men, men who could have been firing at him yesterday, Germans, were on their way over. You're listening to the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars to explore how we got here and how we can do better. I'm Chris Sterren, and this is Truce. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. So here's what happened. The two men, the two Germans, came out of their trenches, walked across the no man's land, and were met by British men, who bravely got out of their trenches, shook the hands of the Germans, and wished them a happy Christmas. And pretty soon, there was a whole crowd gathered around. It was Christmas 1914, and soldiers, some French, some British, some German, left their positions and met their fellow men in the middle, 
sometimes for hours. Imagine that, enemies crawling out of their protected spaces after days of warfare, only to join each other in the middle and socialize. This was no isolated incident. In just the 20 miles from the English Channel to Switzerland, there were some 100,000 men who congregated. Not all in one mass, but dotted here and there. Wherever a man was brave enough to step towards certain death, hoping for a few minutes of peace, they'd called a truce. Unofficially, it just happened. All along the front, they'd heard each other singing Christmas carols, crouching in the mud, trying to stay warm, and from the other side, from the enemy, comes a familiar song that reminds you of your family, your friends, the girl you left back home. The trenches were so close that they could smell what the other side was cooking, warm food and music. What more do you need, really? To be clear, this was not something the British and French war offices had coordinated with the Germans. That kind of official mini-armistice had been documented since the Trojan Wars, the American Civil War, and the Napoleonic Wars. Higher-ups getting together to arm-wrestle a deal where both sides could bury their dead or rest. No, this was individuals. A few men waving a flag or shouting from one trench to the other, daring to dream of a few minutes of peace. And so they stood in no man's land, shaking hands, burying their dead. There are reports of German clergy saying prayers next to British clergy praying for their men and their fallen enemies. Some soldiers used the break to blow off some steam or attend sermons. Others, like A.D. Chater, used the time to build a little roof over his trench, a place for a fire, and throw down some straw to make his nightmare a little more civil. There are even reports of football matches, which would be soccer to us Americans. There are monuments all over Europe to this moment, and many of them feature soccer balls. Sometimes the armistice lasted for hours, other places for days. For a while, anyway, they weren't fighting tyranny or conquering lands, they were just men. I think the Bible story that resonated most with me this year is from Acts 3. Jesus has already been resurrected. God heals a man through Peter while he's near the temple. And because of that, Peter and John get flooded with onlookers. This is Jerusalem, the city where Jesus was rushed through a kangaroo court, beaten and crucified, while God's own people shouted for his death. Peter has every earthly right to be afraid at this moment. These people had killed his master in one of ancient Rome's most horrific ways nailing his body to rough boards. Peter had been there. He'd seen it. So when this crowd of Jewish people rushes him, he's got every reason to turn and run. But he doesn't. He talks to them. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disown the holy and righteous one, and ask for a murderer to be granted to you, 
but put to death the prince of life. Peter straight up calls them out. You guys, you Jewish people, claim to love God, but you let a guilty guy go and kill Jesus instead. Those are tough words. Instead of fleeing, Peter's convicting them about their sins. He could have insulted them or started an insurrection, burnt their city down, like they might have expected a proper Messiah's men to do. He could have told them they were doomed to hell for what they did. But Peter did none of that. He continued, Therefore repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Instead of condemning these Jewish people, he's offering them the gospel. He does it in a way that's tailored specifically to his audience, the Jews, appealing to the prophets and Moses. He spells it out really clearly to them, so they'll understand that the gospel is not close to them, not even to the people who murdered Jesus. As we head into Christmas this year, how will we behave? Every year, we Christians get wrapped up in nonsense about Starbucks coffee cups, Xmas instead of Christmas, happy holidays, and for what? So that we can create some mythical they out there? A group of people we can blame for society's ills that's not us, it's them, those people. We always feel like we need an enemy. What if we called a Christmas truce, even a little one in our communities, our churches, our homes? If Peter can walk into a crowd of people who crucified the Messiah just days earlier and see that they need Jesus just as much as he does, maybe we can drop our grudges and do the same. Will you be the first to crawl out of your trench, hands raised, and walk across the no man's land? Is that little mud hole you've been living in, that place of hatred, really so great that you can't leave it? Will you and I be the first to forget our own needs for just a second and think about how much our enemies need Jesus? Quit hiding, stop hurling grenades, let go of your indignation, because we're climbing out of here. You can find Truce on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on our website at trucepodcast.com. Once there, you can find links to some of our sources for this episode. Truce is a listener-supported show. Search for us on GoFundMe and Patreon, or send me an email and I can give you the address to send a check. And that email is trucepodcast at yahoo.com. Special thanks to Jason Banks of the Word in the World podcast for reading our Bible verses from the New American Standard. If you're looking for something fun to do this Christmas, may I suggest renting my film Bringing Up Bobby on Amazon. It's a fun, touching family film and a great way to start a conversation about God. The show's gonna be taking a little break for a few weeks, not from producing episodes, but from releasing them. I've got an idea for a series that is going to take some extra time to report. In the meantime, I want to let you know how very thankful I am for every single person who listens to this show. Please tell your friends about it, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get every new episode as they're released, and write letters and emails to your favorite publications urging them to write about the podcast. This Christmas, let's tear down some walls, bless those who curse us, and do our best to build bridges. Godspeed, everyone. I'm Chris Starin, and this 
is truce.